Yeah, and the the light bulb goes off, and then they realize, you know, well, I'm in a fellowship of people who are just as terrible. Yeah, and yet we are the most loving, caring fellowship, and yet we are all brought together from terrible circumstances. And I mean, that makes me proud that that we that we made it out. Is there anyone out there? From darkness to life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Good day and welcome to another episode of From Darkness to Life and Our Collective Journey podcast at the Plugged In Media Network. Uh, Ryan is in studio today and so is my friend John. What up, guys? What up, John? Oh, you know, nothing crazy. Um, That's good. That's good. Nothing crazy, just another lazy Wednesday morning, but, you know, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Cool. So a uh, little bit of background. I've known John for a few years now um, through different 12-step programs and different meetings. Um, he had the pleasure of coming to a, a live Remember that one day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one o- day. OCJ got a call to support somebody in community. And I, uh, I don't know if I'll forget that one or ever get that smell out of my head. No. Nope. Nope. But uh, yeah, that was an exciting day. Oh, I'll get to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So how's everybody doing? What's, uh, what's up? What's new? We'll start with Ryan. Just uh, busy, man. We're swamped. Hey. We are. Yeah. OCJ. Yeah. Uh, Partnering with Cooley Balloon and putting on the Rise Up Hot Air Balloon Festival here coming up at the end of May. And that has really taken a chunk out of our days yeah, and nights. It is pretty, it's going to be a pretty big deal. I think it's, uh, I'm really excited to see the community involved and be able to give back to the community with such an awesome event too. Absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, things are great though. Uh, OCJ is busy. Rise Up is busy. And it's all things that I love doing. So it's not like you're really working. Yeah. So yeah, things are good. The young fellow at home, he's awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, the missus is awesome. And I guess uh, I'm, I'm awesome. Sounds like you're winning, sir. I'm winning. <laughs> John? You know what? Life is good. You know, you get an opportunity to come out and hang out with you guys. And uh, that little bit of service work. Um, you know, going back to when we, we first met, because yeah, I, like I had known Rick and uh, Damien for a while. And I never met uh, Ryan before. And... Yeah, let's just say that day will live in infamy. I mean, it was an awesome day. Yeah. It was an awesome day. And, you know, we we really helped out a gentleman who really, really needed help. And uh, it, it it's one of those terrifying instances that is so relatable and experienced that when you're working with other people that... If, if they can, if they can get through it and this poor gentleman was in just an absolute state mm-hmm. that, you know, we can all make this, yeah. we can all get through this because, oh, that, that was a, that was a rough one. Yeah. But you know, I was, life is good right now. Life is awesome right now. Springs just around the corner. Tigers are winning. Couldn't ask for anything better at this time. Absolutely. Van Mulligan scored his first goal. Oh. I saw that. Yeah. Good seen stuff. That. A proud Papa posted on online about yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty awesome. One of many. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big crowd for a Tuesday night. So, I mean, everyone got in for a really good show last night too. Cool. What's a big crowd look like there now? I haven't been to a Tiger game since 2019. <laughs> Because of COVID, and I just never went. What's are they? How's it looking in there? Oh, I mean, it's looking good. It's it's a lot, it's a heck of a lot busier than it was. Good. 
before concessions were closed. Yeah. So yeah. once you couldn't get any uh, greasy burgers and whatnot in, yeah, yeah, no tenants went down. The old pocket dogs. Sweet yeah, the, yeah, pocket the, dogs. <laughs> pocket so dogs this is called a community. Get out and support the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sweet. Cool. Well, sir, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and your journey and, uh, you know, your your journey from darkness to life, I guess. Hey, Absolutely. I don't think I've ever done that. Oh, nice segue. That's a good segue. That is. Yeah, that is. Tell yeah, us your story of from darkness to life, sir. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I don't remember a lot these days, mm-hmm. but for some reason, that first drink that I ever had is, is just burned into my brain. It was, and it was just one of those, you know, Saturday parents having a barbecue, my older brother hanging out in the garage, sneaks me a Corona and it tasted like ass. Like I didn't like it at all, but you know, I think I was 14, yeah. 14, 15 years old. And this, and it was just like the greatest experience ever. Now I can't remember what happened two or three days ago, but for some reason, you know, that experience to, to lead this off and maybe, you know, in retrospect, I, I knew something was, was changing in my life even at that point, because if I can remember this now mm-hmm. pushing on almost 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, and I can still remember that, you know, I knew something was changing in my life. And, um, shortly after that, I had joined the militia. Uh, when I was 16, you know, my father was in the, in the military and his father and, you know, uh, the military ran really deep in my family. So I, I thought it was a natural thing. And, uh, you know, I, I signed up on a Wednesday by Saturday. I had the other soldiers saying like, Hey, we're having a huge party tonight. Yeah. You know, I'm 16 underage. And they're like, you're going to get absolutely fucking destroyed. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this army thing's cool. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily sign up to start getting sh- like schnozzled every single, you know, Wednesday <laughs> and Saturday, but you know, here we go. And they're 16 years old. And these guys are just like, don't worry about your money. We're getting you just ripped tonight. And, <clears throat> you know, I was in for 11 years. Wow. And uh, th- there was a time when uh, I forgot about being in the military because the, the drinking with the buddies sitting in the mess became yeah. so much more important. And, you know, I had a fantastic time in the military, but it, it changed me. And the drinking definitely was a huge factor in this. I mean, I, I was a liar, cheat, steal, con, like you name it. I was a terrible, terrible person. I did terrible things to people while I was, uh, while I was drinking. It was at my worst when I was Mm -hmm. with the military. And, you know, I was so proud to be in the military, but, you know, Wednesday nights for me was let's get through this three and a half hours of parade, do some mm-hmm. army stuff and just get tooled like that. That turned into my life. It was, you know, me and the boys are heading down to the captain's cabin Monday night, every Monday for, I don't know, six years kind of thing and just get plowed like that. That's what my life had turned into. And even though I had this, uh, this guise of like, you know, I'm a soldier, you know, I'm, I'm a big tough guy who right. was willing to make the sacrifice, who was willing to, step into those boots. And if my country called on me, I would answer. But in reality, underneath all that, I was just pissed drunk for, for 11 years. Wow. And, uh, I, I don't blame the military in particular. Right. You know, um, but there's definitely some people that were there with me and we were all the exact same. So, you know, how do you break mm-hmm. that cycle when everyone is doing it? You know, some of the worst things I did to people were the ones who were strong enough to actually say, Hey, you know what? No, I don't want to drink or no, I don't want to go and just clock that guy because it'll be funny. 
you know, those people back then showed so much more strength that they didn't get into our cycle. And, you know, those guys went on to great, do great things. And I was left. That's come up so many times, whether it's, whether it's work, whether it's military, whether mm-hmm. it's team sports, whether it's just your, you know, that group of friends yeah. where the behavior becomes so normalized, it's hard to really recognize how detrimental it is when, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's normal because, well, if, if I have a problem, that means he's got a problem or if he's got a problem, that means yeah. I have a problem and nobody's willing to, nobody wants to, totally. to have that conversation. Yeah. Right? Cause we, we were the normal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. You, you surround yourself with people doing the same shit. It's normalized. And so how yeah. can it be bad? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is like every penny that I earned from there instantly went into, to booze, went into, uh, buying chew, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just like feeding all my other addictions. I mean, I, I, I had no control whatsoever. My life was 100% unmanageable, yeah. but you know, I could wake up every morning and just remind myself that I was the hottest shit because I was a soldier. I yeah. was, I was there. I was doing more than what the next guy was doing. And I held on to that for so long. And I mean, even through doing terrible things to people through it and, you know, 2020, thank God that I was, I'd never actually deployed because yeah. I don't know if I would have made it out. And it wouldn't have been from the experiences overseas per se. I, I think at that point that probably would have been the nail in my coffin Mm -hmm. would have been, I would not be able to come back from something like that. Being the, uh, the addict alcoholic that I am, there's, there's no way that would have been it for me. And, you know, I, after getting sober, you know, it's the first thing, you know, I kind of wake up and think like, thank God that I didn't have to go over there and, and do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I would, I would have done it, but coming back, I, I would have been a destroyed man. For sure. I don't think I ne- ever would have been able to sober up after well, something like that. And it's interesting as you talk about, you know, being, being the disaster that you were, but thinking because you were a soldier, you were better than, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just that alcoholic and addict ego, right? It's uh, oh, yeah. as, as polluted and twisted as it can be, yep. you know, as like, I remember I've, I've, uh, I've said many things many times, right. I, I was a master at, um, disguising, disguising a good intent with just selfishness and self-centeredness, yep. right? Like it, for sure. even to other people looking in, it would be like, oh, what a good guy. He's doing this and he's doing that. And at the end, on, on the other side of it, like it was all of my motivations were always about me. Yeah. Yeah. When I think that you talked about unmanageability and I think that's another piece that really messes with us, you know, in active addiction is you were a soldier you know, I was a manager in an oil and gas company. Rick had his own construction company. It's hard to fathom that our lives were unmanageable. Yeah. Right. And we, now we had everything that we wanted. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, and just living the dream. Yeah. Even though I was suicidal. Totally. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, and I know working with so many people now, that's the piece that keeps people out there struggling for so long, wrapping their brains around, well, I have all this shit together and I have a family and yeah. I have all these things. Right. But what's your brain doing on the inside? Yeah. And that unmanageable piece you talked about, right? I'm a soldier. I'm, I'm a man's man. I'm all these things ready to go to war. But behind that, I'm fucked up every day. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> zero, zero intent to actually follow through with all the stuff that I'd, you know, float my ego with. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't want to commit to actually uh-huh. doing any of this stuff, but you know, even after I, uh, I got out of the military and that was, uh, shortly after my, my first son was born and my wife and I were, you know, we wanted to settle down, have a family. And, uh, I got into trades and that ego came right with me because I got my red seal journeyman welder and I am better than every other welder <laughs> mm-hmm. in med- in Alberta. 
Well, why, well, why limit it to Alberta? Well, in the world, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm better than every single welder ever. Totally. And you know, that ego just came right with it. And I was not that good. <laughs> like I really wasn't. And, uh, you know, my alcoholism, like just destroyed work for me, For sure. you know, I, calling in sick, you know, like 24 hour flus and all that stuff all the time, but they can't fire me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the best. They need me. Yeah. yeah. And you know, will fold without yeah, me. <laughs> you know, they, they would be absolutely put off to see if, if they got rid of me and well, that didn't work out because, <laughs> uh, I got laid off, fired from like three different welding shops and every single time, you know, I'd just be crying, you know, I'd be going home and having to tell my wife, like, oh, I got fired. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they did this to me. You know, let's, let's put some more stuff onto the pity pot. Let's start, you know, she's got to build me up now, but never once during all this, could I recognize that maybe John, you're not all that you are building yourself up to be mm -hmm. up until this point, you know, still, oh, I'll just find another place. And I'd walk right in there. Hottest shit ever. Yeah. And underneath it all still could not realize that I was not all the stuff that I was. And the only way I was making it through was, you know, buying that 12 pack, that 15 pack at the end of the day, because some small mundane thing happened to me that could justify, oh. I have to, I have to drink tonight. Yeah. I have to, it's, it's a done deal. It's in the bag. You know, I stubbed my toe on a, something that somebody left out on the floor. Got a drink now, yeah. <laughs> you know, done deal. And, you know, and then having to watch my wife, you know, and, uh, not realizing it, but, you know, coming in, walking in the front, front door and I got that 12 pack and I don't know how many times she said to me, did, did you really have to get that? Oh, well, my day was so shitty, yeah. but you have no ideas. Like the ego, the, yeah. was just so high. You know, I didn't feel good about myself For at sure. all, but that ego. Oh, it's if, just if you had massive. my problems, you drink yeah. too. Everything yeah. was a justified, justifiable like that, reason to that drink. That narcissism and that ego that I had, you know, yeah, no one had ever suffered the yeah. way I exactly. had suffered. Yeah. Never. And if I wanted it, I was going to lie, cheat and steal to get it because I deserve it. Yeah. And, you know, I was so excited actually when we were coming up and, you know, in, in meetings and we were talking about breaking this sort of stuff down, I, I was actually really excited because... I didn't want to live like this anymore. And, yeah. you know, it took, uh, three failed suicide attempts to finally realize that that's egotistical, narcissistic person that I was, well, wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. And it was on that, that last one. Finally, I, I crawled my way into, into a meeting and, you know, I was broken, you know, the bandages, the wounds were fresh. I was broken. I had put my wife and my family through so much through all these years. And finally, finally, by some light, by some grace, I was, I was able to, to come into a meeting and it's been just over six and a half years now and never look back. And I mean, they're all, they're all fresh, all these memories, mm -hmm. all these experiences are fresh, but you know, when I turn the page, right. And I don't no longer dwell on that. It's, I am, I am not all that I was, For sure. I, you know, but I am the person I want to be today. You know, I love the John that I am today. But looking back, I was a terrible, terrible human being to a lot of good people. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was two points that you make there. Um, one, I think I can't, you know, and I, and I try not to under, under praise it or, or talk about it too little, but just the importance of that gift of desperation to mm -hmm. be that broken. Like, um, 
you know, I think we've all sat in enough rooms and seen a new guy come in enough times with way too much ego attached to him. You know, you hate to bet against the guy. I try yeah. never to, but you, you, you see some guys come in and you're like, you're, you're not ready. Right. And, and you, maybe they are like, I love when they prove me wrong. Right. Yeah, but I, sure. I'm not proved wrong often. Right. It's, uh, when they come in, when they came in with their hair done and dressed well and like ready to make an impression on people. Right. It's like, Oh dude, you're not there yet. No. Like, and I know, you know, I've, I've told my story enough times that I was, I was lucky that way. Right. I came in with every intent of, of end of my life that day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that we, we need to get that low before we're willing to really concede, but it, yep. it, it is, a, it is a gift. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, if everyone's bottom's different, like I know where you're totally. coming from, you know, there, there has been that person who's just had one little brush mm -hmm. and then they realize I got a problem. You know, I am for so sure. happy for that person. Be like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that this only took you a year to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It took me a hell of a lot longer, but you know, we're both in the same place. Yeah. And you know, you couldn't be happier when that person who just kind of scratched the surface of that hole where you mm -hmm. know most of us had to dig six seven feet down before we hit rock bottom for sure and this guy just scratched the surface yeah. you know i'm still happy nonetheless that that guy comes in and, and gets the help for sure the other piece that you touched on is, is um like i hear you know and maybe i'm wrong but i hear a lot of what i think is similar to my story i carried a lot of guilt and shame for the bad shit that mm -hmm. i did and the people i hurt and that was a big hurdle for me and eventually it became that became my reason to drink. I didn't need to stub my toe because somebody left mm -hmm. some shit out. It was like, I'm such a piece of shit. The only mm -hmm. way I can make these feelings go away is to keep drinking, right? And to shut yeah. that off. So I don't know if that's relatable to you, but you know, when you're talking about the pain that you caused other people, I think that was the, that was the hardest part about getting honest with myself is acknowledging that that was me. I did that. It's, it's not, they didn't deserve it because of, mm -hmm. That was just 100% on me. And, yeah. and as you work through the steps, you know, it's, I'm glad that they're laid out in the order that they are because, uh, it, it takes a pretty strong guy and, and a pretty good community around you to be able to support you through some of that acknowledgement of what we've done and figure out how to deal with that and how to process that. Oh. For sure. Yeah. Cause I could have carried that guilt around all my life, you know, and you're right. Like it's a tool. Yeah. That was a tool. And I could tote around my huge pity caravan with me and just like pull on it whenever I needed it. Because if I wanted something right, I could always make you feel worse about yeah. your situation. And then I get what I wanted. For sure. Right. Like <laughs> I, I, I've always said like us, us addicts and whatnot, we are the best, the greatest con artists oh, because sure. we were willing to do absolutely anything to get our way. For just sure. 100%. So, you know, when I'm talking to a newcomer and all that, and I'm like, it's perfectly normal that you spent a lifetime lying to people. <laughs> and no, nobody else in the outside world really understands it. But, you know, that's, that's perfectly normal for an addict. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's like, working with so, you guys, right? Yeah. It's like uh, th they give you the, well, yeah, but you don't understand. I did this, 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 you know, and I've, I've lied about this. I stole from this. I did this. And I'm like, dude, congratulations you're an average alcoholic. You're yeah. not even exceptional. You're yeah. average. That's yeah. <laughs> like, so true. It's just such <laughs> an ingrained part of the cocktail recipe that goes mm -hmm. into becoming an addict or an alcoholic. Yeah, and the, the light bulb goes off and then they realize, you know, well, I'm in a fellowship of people who are just as terrible. Yeah. And yet we are the most loving, caring, 
fellowship. Mm. And yet we are all brought together from terrible circumstances. And I mean, that makes me proud yeah. that, that we, that we made it out. Yeah. Oh, you know, for it's, sure. It's, I, I try to have this conversation with people in the outside world that are like interested in about, <laughs> uh, what we do. Yeah. And it goes right over their heads. They don't get it. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, they're also falling into the stereotype that we're sitting around in a room full of people and we're all just having these sob stories mm -hmm. and there's a couple of stale cookies and muffins <laughs> and, you know, burnt coffee and all this stuff. And they don't realize that it's like, this is the happiest that I've been for sure in my, in my life. And it only gets better every single day. Mm -hmm. And getting out and helping other people is, is the way we do it. Right. And I, I wouldn't trade any of my experiences from the past ever. I'm glad that I've had a chance to learn from them and carry that forward. I mean, you get that newcomer in, right? I did this, I did that. Oh buddy, sit down, <laughs> you know, hold yeah. my, hold my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. You want to hash yeah. this out? Let's yeah. do this. And, but by the end of it, you know, they feel better. They feel better because they know that you were terrible too. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird, magical thing, but sure. it works. And that's what I hold on to. And, and I think the underlying conditions, I don't think it's just with, uh, with addicts and alcoholics. It's, it's just the humans, right? Is that uh, sense of not being alone, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's really easy to isolate yourself when you start reflecting on your bad behaviors. And, and, but when you get in a room with 20 people and they're mm -hmm. like, dude, you're the best person in this room. Like <laughs> you want to start comparing war stories, right? Yeah. And we got to be careful how we use our war yeah. stories too, to not sure. make sure we're not glorifying situations. Right. But to be able to just have somebody relate and be like, dude, you're, if, if that's what you did and you feel hopeless, I did worse and I'm the living the best life yeah. I've ever had. Right. And it's, it's to use that mechanism for hope as opposed to glorifying our war stories. But it's like, dude, you have never, like that's the one message I really try to get through to my kids. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. It doesn't matter how far you go down. Like there's, there's always the opportunity to start writing your comeback story. Mm -hmm. Right. For it doesn't sure. matter. Yeah, for sure. And <clears throat> the one thing I always think about when I'm working with somebody is, and we've kind of touched on it today, right? You touched on it, John, about, you know, when somebody reaches their level of crisis. And for me, I understand now that, you know, it's, it's whenever that person's ability to cope is overwhelmed, that's their crisis. So if it's crashing their car for their first DUI and I have seven, whatever that looks like, right. We, we don't compare them. We just use that as a common thread to relate to somebody like, fuck, I get how bad your life has gotten right now. And I don't compare how bad my life got, but yeah, building that safe space for them to open up and talk by sharing our little bits of our story mm -hmm. and, and it becomes relatable right away. And they're like, holy shit, this guy does get it. Yeah. And this lady does get it right. It's something that can't be reproduced outside of the fellowship. I don't think. No, it's, it's a mystery. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not going to argue with it. It's like this, this thing works and mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be happier for it because, yeah. uh, you know, like I had said before, no, no matter what you come to a meeting first, second, third, you're, you're going to find somebody in there that you relate to. Mm -hmm. And the instant I learned to take those past experiences and take the ego out of it and just use it as a learning tool. Yeah. I, we all do that or like in, in our regular lives. Uh, why not try to help somebody else from your past miseries, your For past sure. experiences, if it can help them in the future. And once I was able to, to, to remove self and the ego, all of, all of a sudden I just had this huge book of knowledge yeah. that if, if I let, you know, even my wife read, she would be traumatized. 
But to another person coming into a, a 12 step group, that might be what they need to hear. Like, holy, you know, like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I did the exact same thing that John did. I got to go talk to him. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, let's talk about this. You and I are the same person. If that can help them from my misery, then that's the beautiful thing about this. Well, I think one of the coolest things about this program too, is how it's, it, you know, this, this illness that we have doesn't discriminate. Mm -hmm. So you go, you go into a room and you're like, there's 60 people that, you know, different demographics, different genders, different ages, different socioeconomic situations, like this vast array of people, but we all have a common problem. And I've, I was, I absolutely was guilty of it. I, I try to be less so now as when I was earlier in the program, but judging other people going, oh, that guy doesn't <laughs> get it. That guy doesn't get it. Right. But now, you know, with a little bit more time under my belt and seeing how some people do relate to those people, it's, it is truly like principles over personalities, right? It's, it's that, that person might be the perfect kind of lady that is the right age that doesn't swear that is, has always been kind, that has a really good relationship with God that really needed to connect to this one other person. And then there was some dude that came in who is a complete asshole, drops F-bombs all the time and really needs to get punched in the face once in a while to really get the message. And I'm like, oh, that's my guy. Right. Yeah. So I think like, it's pretty cool how there's somebody, you know, there's somebody for everybody and, and that's the value of the fellowship is mm -hmm. it wouldn't work if we were all the same. It wouldn't work if we all had the same experiences. It wouldn't work if we all had the same rock bottoms too, yeah. because I've heard that as well, right? Is guys walking into a room going, well, if that guy had went to jail, had four DUIs and, and, you know, is up on assault charges. Well, that's not my story. So maybe I don't belong here. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't that bad. So maybe I'm not that bad for right? sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. And you do hear that a lot for sure. Because, so, you know, some people have had it a little bit easier, you know, but we're all held together by a common thread. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and even just recently, you know, I've been asked a lot, um, you know, here we are in our fellowship, but you know, they want to try and uh, integrate back out. And, uh, so I've been asked this, this last couple of weeks here, you know, what are some, uh, sober things that I can do? And, you know, it's, it's, it's a sit down conversation because they need to understand you can do anything you want. Mm -hmm. There's a couple things that I'd say, maybe don't open your own brewery <laughs> or, go, sure. you know, just stand in the back at a wine tasting. Yeah. You know, there's a couple things that maybe you shouldn't do. But, you know, it's just been coming up and I think it's so important that even through all this in our recovery that you, you can still go golfing and for sure. your buddies can still have a drink. It's perfectly fine. You know, when you're at that level and you're comfortable, you know, I, I go to bars, I'll, I'll go to a bar with my, with my family. I mean, we, we introduced my, uh, my two boys to Roscoe's not too long ago. You know, my wife and I were super pumped about that because I used to be one of our joints. Now, do I think going somewhere like that i'm going to drink absolutely not because i can do all this stuff sober mm -hmm. and i can you know i'm terrible at it but if i wanted to i can go play golf <laughs> and everyone else could just be getting tooled except me and i'm still gonna have a great time and you know i've had more fun doing a lot of activities post you know drinking in you know in sobriety and recovery i've had more fun you know camping is has become more fun for me because i get to watch everyone else around the campfire get absolutely demolished and then all the all the old war stories come out 
and there were, you know, a lot of them I was involved with. And it's just like a nudge, nudge, John, remember that one? I'm like, yep. And that's why I don't drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and then you get to be the hero because you're up early and you make yeah. everybody breakfast. Absolutely. <laughs> no. I love these people, but not that much. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, you know, it, it's just something that's, that keeps coming up. You know, this, there, there was no end point. I know when I first came in, I, I did fall into that trap of like, uh, well, I'm going to get sober and this is my life. Yeah, there goes well, my just, life. Yeah. And I'm just going to be like this depressed, you know, gray colored human the rest of my life. Yeah. And more, more doors, more opportunity and more fun have opened up since I got sober. You know, I'm in an amazing job now that I never thought I'd be doing. And I can apply the skills that I learned through 12 step programs and that's how I live my life. And I, yeah. and I do truly feel that the only reason I'm in the position that I am today is because I apply those, those principles every single day. And I've been given opportunities that I never thought I'd have. I mean, here I am sitting with you guys, you know, this is an opportunity that I never thought if you asked me six years ago, if somebody wanted to hear my story sitting down on a podcast, I, I never agree. Yeah. No one wants to hear about John, For you sure. know, you know, here I am, you know, this is great. And, um, being able to help other people, you know, I spent so long helping myself that now it's a joy every single day to try and help somebody else yeah. in, in whatever ways. And it's not just helping out other alcoholics. It's, you know, there's a person at work who's just having a time, you know, before I never would have taken the time, the five minutes to talk to him or bring him a coffee in the next shift or something like that. And now, you know, I'm more than willing to sit down and talk with a complete stranger who's just having a hard time mm -hmm. because- once the bondage of self and ego is lifted, brand new human being. But, yeah. you know, it's it's been the John that I've wanted to be my entire life. The John yeah. that I love today is, he was tucked under there, deep, 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 deep down. But he's out now. And, cool. you know, I love it. Yeah, like, Times are groovy. It's an awesome time to be alive right now. For sure. And I think you touched on a huge point with talking to your coworker who isn't an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. That's one thing that the 12 step program and the principles and the, the traditions and things, once I started taking them seriously and, and learned them and started practicing them in my own life, it's just, for me, it's a, it's like a, a guide on how to deal with society. And I can sit down and talk to somebody who isn't a full blown addict or alcoholic. Right. And a lot of the principles that help me in that program will help anybody in their everyday life. If they start really focusing on themselves and, you know, being vulnerable and opening up and whatever it looks like that's holding people back in their journey. I mean, if you start doing some of those principles, I, I, we talk about this all the time. It's too bad. You got to burn your life to the ground to find that program, right? Well, or, to be willing to find yeah, the program. Totally. It was there the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. But, oh man, we could get into so many things like the Pythagorean theory that I learned in high school. That's really helping me out these days. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm a carpenter. I've used that like more than anything else. <laughs> a squared, B squared, C squared. <laughs> Gross. It's just math, dude. Right? <laughs> but principles over personalities, that would have really helped me out for the last 20 years if somebody would have taught me that early on. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have stayed out in the game for so long if I, if I just realized at some point there was another person out there who was willing to help me. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it, right? You know, that first meeting you go to and, uh, you know, you're broken and all that. And then some stranger comes up and gives you a hug. You know, so first, you know, red flags going, why is this person touching yeah, me? What do they want? You know, second, they're like, you're the most important person here. You're like, 
Well, yes, I, I am important. <laughs> I know that. I'm but, surprised you know that already. But <laughs> I just wanted to sit in the back for this one so that you guys can all, you know, try and build me up. But okay. You know, and third, you're, they don't let you leave until uh, you have uh, some literature. I'm like, yeah. this, this was the weirdest experience ever. And instantly wanted to go back. You know, you hear it so many times. Uh, they, they, they go into a meeting or they, they go into any sort of uh, help. And they just instantly feel better. And, you know, to this day, I love heading to meetings because it, it fills my tank. It recharges the batteries. I love hanging out with these people. And it's, that that's my way. That's my temple. That's my church is, is going to meetings. Sure. And we it's fun, right? We we all have a blast. It's, you know, I'll never be able to get over the fact how much fun we, we actually do have. For sure. From terrible circumstances. I do try, you know, because that is such a prevalent issue with newcomers is that, you know, oh, woe is me. What's my life going to look like now? Because you just can't conceive mm -hmm. of life without booze or drugs or both, right? It's, it's, it's not conceivable. So, you know, I had the pleasure of even a, a, was a couple of weeks ago, there was a big UFC fight and I had some, I had two newcomers over and some old timers and some normies, right? And so it was a really good mix of the normies that I had over were guys that know it. Everybody's in the program. There's, you know, they're aware. So, you know, they're absolutely going to come over and have a beer or two and be able to drive home and not get like dummied. Right. Yeah. But just to show it, I think it's so important to show the new guy that like, and they're usually shocked when they're like, mm -hmm. we can do all the same mm -hmm. shit. You know, you want to come over and watch a hockey game, come over and watch a hockey game. You want to have a Super Bowl party. You want to go golfing. You want to go skiing for the weekend. We can do all of that and not have to w wake up with the guilt and shame of burning our lives to the ground mm -hmm. or maybe not even burn our lives to the ground, but just, you know, the, the sequence of events, even in our mind, if, if not even out there in, in reality, that, mm -hmm. that that starts. Oh yeah. There's, there's still so much more Whoa. after recovery. There is so much more mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's all learning, you know, we, we can all, maybe some of us and I'll just generalize. Yeah. But maybe, maybe some of us, you know, really did enjoy those bar star days. Right. And, uh, coming to grips that maybe they have a problem is, you know, the scariest thing that they're ever going to face sure. in their lives because they genuinely loved that life. Yeah. But there is so much more. Like so much more to it. You know, it's one thing I tell a sponsees and newcomers, you know, if they're, if they're sitting there and they got idle hands and all that, you know, I always harp on them. Like, you know, get a hobby. Yeah. There's, there's all this stuff out here that you're free to do now. For sure. You know, that, that before you were either too, you know, sick from drugs or alcohol, you know, you, you know, you'd never seen a Saturday morning because you're just so hung over. Like you got all this time now, you know, totally. fill it with something. Yeah. You know, gr grab a crossword puzzle challenge your brain like you got the rest of your life now ahead of you and you don't need to worry about being dope sick you don't need to be worried about being hung over anymore and you know it, it takes just a couple meetings and you know somebody comes in for like a weekend meeting they're like i don't think i've ever seen a sunrise you know <laughs> like yeah that that is a good point brother yeah. like so it true. was very rare that i could roll my my ass out of bed or if you did enough. see a sunrise it was like shit i yeah. haven't gone to sleep i gotta go to bed <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, but, and, but you just see the light come over him, right? You, you see him in the meetings, those first, second, third, and you start seeing the color come back to him. You say the light's growing in them. They're excited about what they're doing. And then, yeah, they might hit you with like, yeah, but, you know, I really want to be able to go out to a restaurant. 
but I'm, I'm worried. Like, well, you know, take one of us with yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, you don't even have go. to pay. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, I'll pay for your yeah. supper. If you just want to go out and have wings or something, let's go. Yeah. Like you, you pay you, it forward when you're ready. Yeah. You know, you can't hold yourself back and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm recovered now. I guess I can't do this. And you'll have a huge list of stuff that you can't do anymore. Like that's so far away from the truth. You can do so much in sobriety, in recovery. And, you know, I, I, can't, you know, I just can't say it enough. Like m- so much more of my life opened up after. For well, sure. we were even kind of joking about it before we came in here when we were in the green room and, uh, triggers, right? Like that's one thing that always kind of get, gets my, mm-hmm. gets my back up a little bit with the professionals and then the, is triggers. Right. And I'm like, man, if, if the key to my sobriety was avoiding triggers, I could never look at the top of a toilet tank or yeah, any flat surface or a fucking mirror or like the closest I get to triggered, honestly, is when I'm vacuuming. Like I can't, I can't vacuum up drywall dust because I just imagine it's below in my nose. Like that's <laughs> totally. what I do, right? That's the closest I get, yeah. but I'm like good enough that I can laugh it off and be like, oh fuck, that was crazy. Yeah. Right. Like what a stupid thing to think about. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. I've but, been there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the fear that we have of being triggered is, is to me, nonsensical. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I'm not recovered. I'm not good until I can go to the, like, I didn't get sober to white knuckle my way through a miserable life. For sure. If that's what it looked like, fuck it. I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to stay out there and ride this train all the way to the fucking end. Right. So there, there needs to be something better or why the fuck would we quit? Yeah, for sure. And I always go back when I, when we talk about this kind of stuff and triggers, right. I try to put myself back in like week one, week two, week three of recovery. And I'm like driving past my old Coke dealer's house. Would that have been a trigger for me on day six? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Right. But on year seven, no, I talked to him on Facebook the other day. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's one of these things that I think it's as long as we look at everybody as the individual, right. And where they're at in their recovery. And yeah, like for us, triggers were pretty much non-existent. But for that guy who's five days in or two weeks in, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting that point at all. For sure. There's, there's a process we need to get through Mm -hmm. before like, you know, I'm I'm by no means am I taking my new sponsee (laughs) who's two days into the bar. Over to the crack house. Exactly. Right. Try this out. But like, just, just to let them know that there is that hope. Right. And that's why I try to ease them in like with that UFC. Right. Yeah. Is you're out in public. You're not hunkered down in your basement in isolation. There's some sobriety around you, but there's also a guy drinking a beer. Yeah. And I think that's as important is to let them see that there is a guy crushing a beer over there and it has absolutely no impact on you. For sure. Right. And just to get them like in a safe enough environment, like I wouldn't drop them in a house party that everybody's getting loaded at. Right. But just to be like, yeah, that guy had a beer and did that have any impact on you at all? Well, no, not really. Well, exactly. And we can just ease our way into that shit and eventually like. Well, I, I'll take my wife and her girlfriend to the bar and I'll buy them shots and I'll drive their drunk asses around all night yep. and listen to them talk just stupid nonsense. It's important stuff though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're solving the world's problems <laughs> <No>. for sure. <laughs> but no, I, I completely am on board with what you're saying for sure. And any listeners that are out there that that's kind of why I brought that up. Don't misinterpret this or use this as a, 
that justification to, well, they said on the podcast, <laughs> I can go hang out with people who are drinking again yeah. and, and relapse. Right. But for us, it's that safe space, right? That's good. And then if something does trigger that newcomer, that person early in recovery, that's a safe space to start talking about it. What does that look like? And why is this coming up for me? Yeah. And that's that progression to get into long-term yeah. recovery is we're never going to be able to like, yeah, absolutely. You'll be isolated in your basement. If you're going to try to avoid alcohol for the rest of your life Dude, or yeah. being around it. Right. No, yeah. no I, I couldn't even do that. No, I don't even think I could be in my basement. Yeah. No, if, if, if there was even a PlayStation around me, yeah. I'd be done. Mm. I, I think I'd have to disappear into the woods. Right. That would be the only safe place. Yeah. And no, they're like absolutely on point. If, if I surrendered to that point when I first came in for yeah, first, second, third meeting that I need to stay away from absolutely everything. Yeah. I'd be a hermit. Oh, absolutely. I'd miss out on so much. I mean, and that being said, you know, the, the first couple months there, you know, and I was still pretty, pretty hot shit. So of course. (laughs) We'd all be in a compound out in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, they'd have to lock us up somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, sure. and like listening to people talk about stuff like this and, you know, and me telling myself, you know, on the, on the outside, having the bravado to be like, you know what, maybe I don't need this. Yeah. You know, because this guy is way worse or I could easily do that. But underneath, you know, at that point it was a scared child. For sure. And you know, like, I just like, I'm afraid to go outside. I'm, I'm afraid because, you know, Hey, it's medicine hat. We all joke around that we, we must have the highest liquor stored to population <laughs> ratio in Canada. Sure. And, you know, you know, on my way home from that job, I must've passed like four liquor stores and yeah. And every single one was like, Oh, thank God he didn't pull in. Thank God he didn't pull in. But by the time you get to the fourth one, you're like just white knuckling it. And it, it's, it's crazy though that, yeah, you give a little bit of time and uh, you could drive past, you know, liquor emporium, Totally. mega complex and you're like oh that's, you know, there's a new building oh, that looks kind of nice and just keep going you know like um i i've been out of the game for too long i don't know what kids are drinking these days no. so you know uh you know my wife will you know bring home some trulies or whatever hard seltzer yeah. and i'm just sitting there looking at the cans and stuff like what are you kids drinking now i heard that <laughs> there was pickle beer out there and I, <laughs> you know joke around with my wife totally. about this yeah. it's like, but it's not a trigger no, i'm no. not gonna sit there you know i have alcohol in our house Yet I am 100% secure and not consuming any of it. And, you know, my wife is 100% knows that I'm not going to go and crack into her, what, you know, whatever she has. <laughs> whatever but, they're drinking now. But, yeah. you know, she's also the person that would have um, one or two drinks a month Yeah, kind of thing. Oh, she's one of those. People. She's one of those normies <laughs> that I, I don't think she has an addictive bone in her body. Right. So... Yes, her and I have talked about at length that she doesn't understand what it is I do because she doesn't have that sort of addiction like I do, but she knows whatever I do works. Mm-hmm. So keep doing it. And, you know, and that's where we are. It's, you know, she, she had reached out with you guys and to, um, to help somebody else who was trying to help another alcoholic, you know, that's where she can be of service, sure. but she doesn't understand what I do when I, when I tell my boys, right, you know, it's a, it's it's a meeting time. And I just say, uh, you know, I'm going to see my friends, you know, they're, they're nine and six. The dad's just going to see his friends, you know, and later on we'll have that conversation, but you know, my wife understands like he needs to go see his friends. Yeah. Like when he doesn't go see his friends, (laughs) he becomes unfriendly. Yeah. So please go leave. Don't worry about it. I'll drive you. Yeah. So, you know, she understands that, but 
as far as far as like triggers and stuff are concerned, yeah, after that that first year, yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything. You know, we 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 talk about it all the time. Like, there's nothing in our lives right now that is so detrimental and so traumatic for sure that instantly a beer will just fall out of the sky directly into my mouth. (laughs) You know, it's, it's a choice and that's what it comes down to. But, you know, I don't hand out my phone number to people at meetings because I like having friends. I'm I'm giving you that number so that when that traumatic thing happens to you, you can call someone who's probably gone through the same traumatic thing you did and talk it out because I, I burned through that meeting list so many times when I first sobered up because I couldn't, I could not do this myself. And you know, in that first, second, third meeting, when they punched it in saying, here's, here's your list of numbers, use them, call anyone, anytime. And I'm like, they won't answer. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way that these kind people, they're all deceptive. They're not going to (laughs) answer. Lo and behold, you pick up that, that meeting list, you know, maybe the first one doesn't answer. You get a little tiny bit dissuaded. All of a sudden you get to the second number. They don't even remember your name because they only met you for like 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. but they still, they'll sit and talk with you for hours if it need be. And, you know, that got me through some terrible, terrible times. And I enjoy, you know, people call me up. It doesn't matter. It's 11 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. If if they need help, I'll sit and talk with them because somebody was willing to do that for me. And it's, it's just the, the full circle of the fellowship. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome and unique. And I, I like what you said about um, not being able to do it on your own, right? And how that coincides with the meeting list. Because I don't know about you, John, but I think listening to some of your stories, I know Rick's story, we tried it on our own for so, so long. Yeah. And it doesn't work, right? It took years for me to recognize that, holy shit, I'm going to need some help with this. So now somebody's handing me a phone list with half a dozen names or a dozen names on it. Here's your help, right? Mm-hmm. And And I still at the start wouldn't pick up that phone. I don't want to burden anyone with my shit. I don't want to bother them. And until it was explained to me, we bothered somebody, right? And that's why people put their names on those lists. And that's how you get connected and start building this recovery community. And once you're in it, it's amazing. And then you're part of that community and your name goes on a list and you start helping the next person. And it's, it's just such a cool. And you realize that they're honest. Yeah. That, and they don't want anything from you. Yeah, they they put their number down because they're going to pick up their phone. Mm-hmm. You know, when you finally overcome that that stereotype that people are bad yeah. in this world. Well, I'm, we were so bad. I am a firm believer that this illness wants me dead. Mm-hmm. And it'll settle for me drunk or high. Yeah. And it'll use the mechanism of isolation to get me there. Mm-hmm. Right? So as soon as I start isolating from community from from anything, really. Like it's those, it's those thoughts, those resentments, those little things that fester in my brain that I can now see pretty clearly. Well, sometimes not, sometimes it Mm -hmm. takes a little bit, but then I recognize and be like, oh shit, I know what that is, is it, and it's trying to get me to build some resentment, trying to get me to get angry at shit, trying to get me to in turn isolate from things. Right. And, and cause it knows like, as long as I'm surrounded with my people, yeah. I'm good. Right. Yep. And, uh, as soon as I start going, you know, I don't need to go to a meeting. I don't want to go to a meeting. And, and there's plenty of times that like my home group Saturday morning, right. There's shit happens on a Saturday morning. Kids got something like I can't make every meeting. Right. I do my, I do my best, but then I'll miss one for a legitimate reason. And then the second one, I'm like, I could make up a reason by the third one. I'm like, I don't really want to go this week. Yeah. And by like the fourth one, I'm like, I can just feel my tolerance for 
humanity diminishing, right? (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm getting really short and really angry. And like, as soon as I walk in the door without fail, every time I'm like, why the fuck wasn't I here last week? And it just, boom, and I'm back and it's a reset and just like, get me back with my community. And it really is, it, it is, it is my, I don't want to say cure, but it is my medicine for this illness, right? Is community and, and the support of the group and knowing I'm not alone. And, and in turn, it gives me the opportunity to help another person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the fellowship is beyond important. And yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from because yeah, by like the, the third meeting, <laughs> I'm getting pretty squirrely. Yeah. You know, it's not a, you know, going to go right back out, but it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't like people. Yeah. yeah. I don't like people after like missing three meetings in a row. Yep. I do not have time for this shit. Yeah. And uh, everyone in my life knows it. And by three meetings, I'm not thirsty for a drink no, or a drug. I'm just am, kind of an asshole. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just miserable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, there's, yeah, there's no fear of me actually going out and doing no, anything on it, acting on it, but yeah. I am so far stuck in my head. But like you said, the instant I step back in, all that, all that shit just comes right off. Yeah. And you know, you may have somebody even like call you out, be like, oh, hey, part-timer. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. You're right. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. But, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. I hate so it when true. these old timers are right. <laughs> yeah. Gotta listen to them though. It's pretty funny. But you know, I, I, I know a gentleman from back in my old days that, uh, he's an older fellow, right? And we talk about missing a few meetings and how easy it becomes not to, to go to meetings. And then suddenly you're out of that circle of recovery and whatnot. Right. So I know this fellow, he had 22 years in the, in, in the 12 step program. And, uh, when I met him, he was 22 years sober and had went to AA at the start. He could quote the big book. He was, he was a good solid AA guy, right. For 12 years or something, he told me, but for some reason, things escalated to the point where he was doing really well in his life. I don't, and went away from the meeting, stopped going to meetings, stopped working a program, stopped doing all these things. Right. So fast forward 10 years after that, we're sitting in a, in a bar. This is back in my drinking days in the oil patch. We're sitting in a bar in, in uh, central Alberta here and on a Friday and it's hot as fuck out there. And he comes, joins us in the bar and he drinks an O'Doul's and we, I'm drinking Coors Light like a fish, like I always did before I hit the <laughs> vodka and, the next hot day like that, two or three days later, he comes back with us, drinks another O'Doul's, couple O'Doul's, and then he heads back. And on the third day, they're out of O'Doul's in this small little town. So he's like, ah, fuck, one Coors Light won't hurt. Fast forward six years, he's lost his farm, divorced, you name it, right? It's right back to square one again. And that's just how easy it is to get out of meetings, get out of a program. I'm doing really good now. I don't need this community anymore. And it goes back to that. For me, anyway, I get so many people and my mom, like, do you think you'll go to these meetings for the rest of your life? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I couldn't yeah. do it before. I proved it without help, right? So why would I think I can do it again by myself? Now, at this point, I, I look forward to this. Totally. The, the rest of my life. Yeah. Because, yeah, you do. You do. You get asked that a lot. Like, do you think you're always going to have to do this? Like, do I have to? No. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, maybe I don't, but I'm not willing for sure to, to question that. Yeah. So I will just keep doing this. That's, That's the biggest thing for me too, right? Is uh, I've said that, I don't know how many times is maybe I do have this, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I've got enough sobriety under my belt. Maybe enough things have changed with my circumstance, my mindset, whatever. Maybe I can drink normally. Maybe I can drug recreation. For sure. But. <laughs> yeah, if I can't, the butt. if I can't, I know I'll be dead. Yeah. And 
I'm not willing to risk that. Uh, no. I don't think so either. No, it, it's crazy to think that like how irrational I was that I used to risk that every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not willing to risk that now. And maybe, uh, well, not maybe it's a direct correlation of I'm happy in my life. Now, sure. Right. I wasn't then if, if I, uh, there's plenty of times that I was hoping to not wake up, yeah. let alone trying to avoid it. Right. And, and now like my life's too good to cut short. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to stop living. Totally. Right. So I'm not willing to take that risk because I know, I know where it might lead. Yeah. Not, not that it will for sure, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not willing to take that risk. Yeah. It's like the most existential pro con list yeah. that you could ever make. Yeah. Like, you know, we even had a, a sponsee who is tickling the idea of going back out. Right. So, you know, you have, you write down like, well, what do you have in life right now? What are you grateful for in life right now? And he's got this huge list and then just to be really dramatic. And I mean like over the top thespian dramatic, <laughs> I grabbed it off the table and I crumpled it up and I threw it on the floor and I'm like, you will lose all this if you go back out. Nice. And I'm, I'm just waiting for this like applause from Theme behind me and all this like, everything. that was good. And he's like, damn it, you're right. <laughs> damn it. That's so I was good. Like, like, but it's true. Yeah. You know, I when, appreciate when I weigh, your drama. Yeah. When I, <laughs> when I weigh out what I have now and in even a small part of it, like, am I willing to jeopardize that for a chance? Mm-hmm. Mm, no, you're, I mean, you're right, Rick. I was willing to do that every single day. Like I could lose my job today yeah. and my source of income. Psst, crack another one. For let's sure. go. But now it's like, it's not even about the job. It's like, I have a wife and kids, totally. a beautiful home that, you know, we've worked a long time to be where we're at. And let's face yeah. it, my drinking gave us massive setbacks. Totally. You know, I rode off a vehicle with my one and only DUI, <clears throat> but I rode off a brand new vehicle. Now we're, now we're paying for something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Did I feel guilty about that? Yeah. For like two or three weeks. But I was so buried in depression and my ego still that I, w- I was just using that as an excuse at that point. Be like, oh, you know, I can't do that. I was in a car accident. Nobody else needs to know that I was just loser drunk. No one else needs to know that. Well, and on top of that, the bank's screwing you now. Yeah. Because now you've got a payment that you don't have a car for. Yeah. Those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was 100% there. Actually, it was a light standard out on the highway. It, was, it shouldn't be on the side of the road right where it was because yeah. it was in my way. Somebody should measure that, make sure it was not an appropriate distance from the road. Yeah, you know, I'll, 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 I'll bring that up next time. <laughs> <laughs> but for what I have now, and there's none of these setbacks, mm-hmm. it's like, this is fantastic. Totally. Could have asked for anything better. When the peace and the serenity that comes yeah. with long-term recovery, right? And And... We talk about this lots, like, how do you get to that? Well, it's one day at a time and it's doing the work that, that the program and whatever other resources you throw into your recovery, doing that work. It doesn't just happen. Like we hear from so many newcomers, man, I wish I was at seven years or I wish I was, I wish, I wish, I wish. And it's like, yeah, well, I was in that chair at one time too. And that's, you know, then I was in that chair and now, I, and then I was in chair in yeah. five years. Now I'm in this chair and, and it's all because I kept doing the work. And was it easy? Not every day. No, there's some hard days and whatnot, but fuck, it's way better nowadays than it ever was yeah. before. I'd rather do the little tiny bit of work. Totally. That's expected of me every single day to have that daily reprieve, to be able to be at peace and have serenity during the day. Mm-hmm. That little, little tiny bit. 
in comparison to how many lies oh and manipulations that I had intertwined throughout my life, I'm like, if I was willing to do that, can I not just surrender every single morning and say, hey, higher yeah. power, I need some help today? Totally. Instead of like, oh crap, I'm going to run into this person and they're going to, I told them this and uh, they're going to tell this person that, yada, 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 totally. it just goes on and on. But like, if I was able to put that much energy into drinking and maintaining drinking versus just wake up, surrender, be willing to be a good yeah. good human being for a day and then at night pray about it totally easy done you got me sold was was peace and serenity remotely conceivable i, I like didn't even know we were, what it was exactly like <laughs> i didn't even know what i didn't have yeah right i didn't know and and it's interesting cuz as and i think this comes up for like newcomers too we talk you know we've talked about the pink cloud moment yeah. right and and kind of when you start coming down off the pink cloud or maybe when you're still on it. Um, I remember getting really uncomfortable at about three months and I was really uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why. And I was trying to do inventory work and I was trying to figure it out, but I was uncomfortable because I didn't have anything to be uncomfortable about. And I didn't even like as crazy as that seems, the only people that ever nod their head and understand is people who have been in that spot is I'm going like, I, what is this feeling? Right. And it was peace and serenity. And it was such a foreign concept yeah. that it made me really uncomfortable because I didn't it, like, it's the most messed up mind trick that there is, is when I started getting anxiety because I didn't have any anxiety. Right. It's like, what am I missing? I, yeah. I got to be upset yeah, yeah. about something. You got to find right? something. Like, there's got to be something wrong right now. Well, how do we, and it just, boom, wheels start turning. Yeah. Right? When you start getting anxiety about not having anxiety, like it's, it's a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. like, it's uh, and again, that's where the community comes back in. I, I bring that forward to my sponsor and to a group of people and they're like, dude, where are you? Yeah. Four months. Perfect. Yeah. You nailed it. Right. Yeah. Like you're right where you need to be, buddy. Don't it's worry like, about oh, it. Ride I it can out. find happiness and contentment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, well, and how many people, do, <laughs> absolutely. Like, and how many people do we run into in what we do now that, you know, ha struggle around that 60, 90 day mark, you know, they, they full bore ahead for the first 30 days, then 60 days, they start trailing off. And that 90 days, you don't see them again for six months or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I got it. Yeah. I got this. Right. Yep. And, and I think that coincides with what you're talking about too. You get those squirrels and those thoughts rushing around in your head and you don't know what to do with them. And you don't have a recovery plan. You don't have a, a support group. You don't have a 12 step group. You don't have a program. You don't have anything. You're just white knuckling it. And well, I know it'll cure this Yeah, <laughs> a couple of wines in a bottle. Yeah. 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 And then you're back to square one. Yeah. I mean, peace and serenity. Absolutely foreign. That, that, that sounded more like, uh, you know, the, my final breath. I'd finally have peace at the end of my life kind of thing. That's I, yeah. I can, but I was, I was, I, it's exactly what I, when yeah. I thought of peace and serenity, it was the end. Ah, yeah. 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 That last final breath be like, oh, you had a terrible life yeah. Yeah. and die. But yeah, when, when you find it and you're the irritability and discontent stuff, mm -hmm. it's like disappearing the, the urge to drink, the urge to, you know, give over into our, our defects and just finding happiness and contentment. All of a sudden peace just, just washes over you and serenity. Yeah. But it was such a foreign idea that I would ever be at a, a place in my life that I could say okay. that I had any sort of peace. There always had to, like, just like you said, there always had to be chaos. If there wasn't, then it was either coming 
Yeah. Or I hadn't started it yet. I hadn't created it. <laughs> so I need to go stir some shit up because my life is just going too smooth right now. I am a self-destructive human being to the core. I better get on this. Yeah. Call somebody out, make up something, vote somebody and get shit rolling. Because, you know, also when I was at peace and I was bored, I, I wouldn't drink. That, that was the weird thing. You know, I was, I was a very social drinker. So sitting at home in peace and that, that's scary. Yeah. So of course I need to gather out the boys, you know, we ride at dawn. Let's do this. Yeah. And, and just go out there and tie one off. It's funny and, that that's the conversation kind of coincides with our guest from last week. Stacy was on here last week and he always talks about don't leave before the miracle happens. Mm-hmm. And for me that, you know, now that I'm seven years into it, that miracle has kept changing all the time. The first one was that obsession and that compulsion to drink and use. Once that was lifted for me, that was, that was the miracle. Holy shit. I, I have a choice today. But as I kept progressing in my recovery, now the miracle is, you know, and I'm glad I didn't leave before that one happened was this peace and serenity piece, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a, there isn't a whole lot that could happen today to get me fired up. It's just this, fuck it. It's going to happen. How do I react to it? Right. You talk about that all the time, right? It's the only thing I control is my reaction to this crazy world around me now. Yeah, exactly. And, and as long as I react appropriately using the tools that I've been taught and that I utilize every day, man, life just stays kind of in between the lines and I never go outside of them too often. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, like you said, life happens, shit yeah. happens. So what are we going to do about it? Totally. You know, my, my sponsor always says, you know, what was your part in this? Mm-hmm. So that keeps it peaceful for me because I don't want to have a part in other people's problems yeah. at the same time. You know, if there's, you know, work drama and all that sort of crap going on, for sure. I, I've learned now I, I don't have to get involved. Yeah. You know, I can, I can always be there to help, you know, but I'm not going to help a person build up their, their ego, their pity pot and all that totally. sort of stuff. You know, we're going to have that in our lives, Yeah, but it's, it all comes down to choice. It all comes down to how am I going to handle today? Yeah. And Thanks, thanks to the program I'm a part of. I have every single tool manageable yeah. to, to do this. It's so amazing. And that's what, you know, going back to those active addiction days, it was the world's out to get me and I'm mm-hmm. the victim of everything. And now with, you know, reframed and flipped that over based on the work I've done, it's, I'm at the other end of the spectrum yeah. now. Now it's just me and I control me and that's it. Well, sir, we're getting to that hour. I know we could, we could go on for another two oh, or three. Oh, for sure. It's been a pleasure getting to know you a little better. Um, but do you got any closing thoughts or ending messages? And not to say that you're not welcome back. You're welcome back anytime you want, but um, any departing wisdom? You know, you know what, actually, just like what we were talking about, waiting for the miracle to happen, you know, that is really important. And if you're out there listening and you're, and you've been listening to these guys talk, you know, it's a, it's a miracle even in, in my life that, I even got to meet these guys because going right back to what we were talking about before with this, um, this particular 12 step call we went on, I, I knew cause I'm, I'm the one who received that call that I needed some backup and I reached out to these OCJ fellas and you know, we went out and we made some changes and we, we went out and helped. So stick around people. If, if you need help, help is out there, get out to a meeting, reach out to these guys. It's exactly what I did. We are out there and we are a big fellowship. We are a loving family that once you go to your first meeting, whether you like it or not, you're part of our family Yeah. and I will call you and I will bug you all the time. <laughs> so thank you very much guys. That's awesome, man. Thanks That's for so coming cool. in. Yeah. So cool to have you on today. When Rick said you were lined up as a guest, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to come in and sit on and sit in on this one. I I've like still it. got, uh, anytime I think of John, it's, it's almost like the, uh, Pavlov scenario, right? Oh, yeah. Anytime I think of John or hear about him, 
I get that the smell of peppermint oil just like floods back. (laughs) (laughs) You had to be there to understand that, Joe. But it's one of those situations you have you had to be there to really appreciate it. But I pray that no one ever has to go through (laughs) that ever again. When it's calls like that, that really remind me of how easy I can go back to being in that state. And it comes down to that first drinker drug, yep. right? If I start down that path again, you guys will be coming to my door yeah, someday, I'm right? Peeling you out of a couch. And- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's been an awesome episode and thanks, John, for coming Absolutely. in Absolutely. Thanks Matt. for having me. Thanks for coming out, buddy. <laughs> oh, that was awesome, guys. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.